Welcome to Resurrection Church Podcast. We are honored you are here. Without any further delay, here's the word. I need a little bit of monitor, please. I, I am really thin on that this morning. I can't hear myself. You really don't want me screaming. Luke, oh yeah, much better. Thank you, sir. Good, good job. Don't our, don't, don't our students do a good job? You know, they run most everything around here. <laughs> Keep them busy. My grandmother used to say, you know, that idle hands is the devil's work. So even in church, the devil can get into them, so let's keep them busy, right? Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Today, or we're going to continue on on this series called The Kingdom, Kingdom Living Now. Kingdom Living Now. You know, the, the, the kingdom of God is now, but it's also in the future. So, but, you know, we're not in our future yet. So we need to live in the now, 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 now. And we need how to live in it successfully. Today we're going to look at the images of the kingdom because Jesus talked, taught about kingdom and kingdom living and exposing the kingdom of God, heaven and kingdom of God. He spent three and a half years, basically, that's all he did in exhibiting signs and wonders and miracles. So we're going to look at this in chapter 13. I'm going to tell part of the story, and then I'm going to read part of the story. So the story starts in verse 10, that he was in a synagogue, and there was a woman there who had been sick for 18 years, doubled over uh, in her body, and was horribly afflicted. And uh, he told her, he said, you're set free from this. So he laid hands on the lady, and she was immediately made better. And then the religious fellow got in, the, the, uh, the synagogue official, whatever they did, he became indignant uh, because, you know why? Because he healed on the Sabbath. Now, I don't know how that connects in the Jewish uh, culture, but apparently it wasn't well thought of. And so he says, you know, you got six days in a week that you can do this stuff. You don't need to come in here on, on Sabbath day and mess up our agenda. That's what he's saying. And then, and then Jesus, you know what he did? He called them hypocrites. <laughs> he had no tolerance for religious people. And uh, he, he goes on and gives the example that, you know, if, you're, if your donkey gets loose, you're going to go find him and tie him up on Sunday. on Not Sunday, but on Saturday, Sabbath day. And uh, he said, this, this woman, this daughter of Abraham, shouldn't she be healed on the, on the Sabbath day? And, of course, we know that's true. So he tells this story, and it says his opponents were humiliated. Now let's get down to verse 18 because he does something here, and I just picked up on this. I never really caught this before. So after this episode takes place, in verse 18 it says, So he was saying. See, he's implying that what he's getting ready to say is appropriate to the situation they just experienced about this great healing of this woman. And so he takes, and it says, so he was saying. So he's taking the episode and connecting it to identify the image of how the kingdom of God works. He says, 
What is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and threw into his own garden, and it grew, and it grew, and became a tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. So what did Jesus do? He took this episode and says, let me explain to you how the kingdom of God works. You know, most people, all, most all people have, are totally clueless about what their purpose is in living, in being a human being. I mean, a lot of people don't even believe in God. They just, they just exist. You know, they, 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 one day they're going to die and they're gone and there's nothing left. They, 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 and, you know, that wouldn't that be a sad way to live life with no expectations of future benefits of something being better than what we have now? So I want to warn you again as I talk about this, this may challenge some of your religious, our religious uh, experiences and background. But that's what the kingdom of God is all about. You know, and, and some, you know, especially because, I mean, I was taught this way, uh, some will even think it's kind of high-minded to, to even consider that God would give authority, that level of authority would give it to man on the earth. I'll explain that more a little bit later on. That, that the best thing that, quote, a Christian can do is to be lowly, humble, and just let God run everything and just trust that he'll work it out. But you know what? I believe, according to Scripture, that man is God's premier crowning work in the universe. I believe he created the universe for the benefit of humanity. Why would God want to have a universe? I mean, you're God. You can do whatever. But he, I believe that he, he created everything. In fact, Romans confer, uh, confirms this. He created all of it to prove that he is truly God. And then to give it to man. We know that Adam lost that authority when they sinned, he and Adam and Eve. But Jesus came to buy it back, to purchase it for us so that we could be put back into the place that we're supposed to be. So we are really co um, co-regents with Jesus Christ here in the earth. He's in heaven and he's left us here. We are, his, we are his ambassadors, I believe the Bible says, here on this earth. We represent his government. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador represents the country that they identify with. We are ambassadors. We are representatives of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Does that make sense? So we're his crowning moment. And so I want to remind you of the scripture, and I appreciate Richie doing this uh, earlier, about it comes from Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. It says, pray then this way. Je, you know, Jesus could have told the boys, he said, I want you to pray any kind of way. But you know what he says? He says, no, pray this way. My Father, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your what? Kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven. Why was that so important? I mean, you, you know, he could have answered with well, he could have answered with any kind of prayer. But yet he brings it to the point, no, I want you to release what's in heaven. This kingdom of heaven, I want you to release it into the kingdom of the earth. Most of us have over, you know, because we, we actually used to pray that in school. Oh, we prayed in school. We actually said the Pledge of Allegiance. We stood up and put our heart, hands over our hearts. When we got to school, they would play the Star Spangled Banner. How things have changed. <laughs> so to operate on kingdom principles, we first must recognize how it works. And that's what we're doing in this series. And so we, you know, and I want to hammer on this because if you don't get the core values of what I'm trying to instill in us, you'll miss the whole principle of the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is actually a planned process. So authority in the earth originally was assigned to man. Get that. That's so important that we understand that. That, that authority in the earth was given to man. Period. We found that in Genesis chapter 1. Now, we have an issue with this. Because over the years, the religious folks brought in a term that really makes no biblical sense. It's called divine providence. Did you know most, church, most Protestant churches operate on divine providence? Which is totally unbiblical. I'm talking about Catholics. I'm talking about, not the Lutherans, but I'm talking about the Methodists, uh, whatever there is out there. They go by divine providence. What they're saying is, is that God rules directly in the earth. He runs the ship. He runs everything. Therefore, we can just let it happen because God will take care of everything. Now, we know that's not true because God is good. How often? All the time and what? All the time. So God is good. So how do we explain evil? If he has, has divine providence. You can't. That's what my point is all about. You see, God, do, God has chosen not to rule directly on the earth. His desire is to exercise his authority through you and I. He chose it that way. Again, we read in Psalms 115 uh, verse 16, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. This is our place, our planet, baby. And he's left it in our hands. And so there is no such thing as divine providence. Can I say that? Say, I told you I'd mess with your theology. There is no such thing as divine providence. You'll not see that principle in the Bible. That is a man, basically... Man, I won't get into all that stuff. It's just crazy how the religious people get into these things. So, man is God's legal agent and also his access to the earth. Now, he's still God. He still rules everything. But he, he, he has set it up so that he, he now for lack of better terms, he straps his hands behind himself 
and leaves the earth to man for man to release God's power in the earth. And in other words, God says, what was that old song, you can't touch it, can't touch this? That, that's basically what he's done, done to himself. He says, can't touch it, can't touch it. That was a cute commercial, wasn't it? I don't, I don't remember. But anyway, but what he did this on purpose so that man would have the free will to choose how to run it. And so what he does is he, he waits on man to implement his principles in the earth by the releasing of words through prayer and prophecy. We talked about that, remember? So you are his advocate in the earth. You are his ambassador in the earth. Uh, you are his co-regent here in the earth. So basically, even though we don't have the power personally, we have the ability to, to release God's power in the earth by what we pray and what we say through our prophetic words. Are you with me? Because it says in Psalms 5, 8, verses 4 through 7. By the way, let me say, I need to remind you of something. These messages are on our website. This message today will be on there by Wednesday. You're missing a good tool to share the gospel with other people by not paying attention to that. Because you, you'll sit here, we, we've done this all, we'll sit here and we'll think about somebody saying, boy, they sure need to hear this. And then, then, then when we, do, we walk out of here and, we, and they never hear it. I'm suggesting to you that if you're sitting there today and, and you, you think about, boy, so-and-so needs to hear this, then go to the page, the website, and send them the link to the message. Then they can hear it. Are, are you getting this? Instead of just saying, well, I wish they were here, or oh, they sure need to hear this, Step out in boldness and, and, and copy the link. It's on YouTube, but it's on the website also. You can go to the website, and you can just click on that link to the page, and, it'll and send it to them. Say, listen to this message, and let me preach to them. Would you do that, church? Instead of just not paying attention to those things, it's important. But back to what we were talking about. We were created to exercise his power, and then God gave us the ability to manage what he left here. It says in Psalms 8, verse 4 through 7, What are people that you should think, think about them, mere mortals that you should care about them, yet you made them a little lower than God. I know King James says angels. That is incorrect translation. It's God. It's Elohim. Crowned them with glory and honor, and you gave them, gave them charge over everything you made. Now, can we be more clear than that? Everything he's made, which includes demons, angels, everything, everything, every, say, just say everything. It says, putting all things under their authority. We see this in the New Testament. I don't have time to get into that, but let's move forward with this. So he's chosen to limit his activities on the earth by, to the point of being released by a human being, a Christian. And so his intervention, he's locked himself in on purpose for us. Think about the times that maybe the Lord has urged you to pray for something or for someone that you don't know anything about. And you pray for them and you find out later the real reason you had to pray for them. And you say, 
What was God doing? See, God, see the Spirit of God's inside of us. So if he, he's got an inside track, church. He has an inside track to us. So all he has to do is impress on us strongly enough that something needs to be prayed for or something needs to be prophesied over. And when he unctions us and we obey, his will is accomplished. And he gets done what needs to be done on the earth without breaking his own rules. Does this make sense? And so that's why we get these impressionistic things in our lives by the Spirit of God. So the, the devil is always going to lose. And so he's looking for someone that will release his will and his purpose and his kingdom here on the earth. And so when we pray and prophesy, we're literally giving God permission based on his own rules to intervene. I like this plan. This is a great plan. It's a win-win it's a situation for us. So we're his sons, children, children of God. We're, we're his children. We're his sons. God has appropriated these things to us. And so we just need to know that and understand it. You see, it isn't our abilities that, that messes with our mind. It's all of our, it's, it's all of, it's our mentality. Our brains get fried and because we, we, well, you know, why do people, why do people wanna, won't, don't want to act until they understand it? How many times have you heard people say, well, I just don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand this. I don't understand that. It, all that is is their legitimate reason not to act. Because they're saying, well, once I understand, then, I, I, then I have, I'll do it. Listen, when God gives you something, you don't have to understand it. Did I make that clear? When God speaks... If there's a mystery and you don't understand it, doesn't mean you have an excuse not to do it. Do it anyway. You'll understand later. So church, if Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we need to live like kings don't also, don't we? But now let's look at this text and get a feel for these images that he's speaking of. Now I touched on this a minute ago. In verse, uh, in verse, um, back 13, in verse 18, so he was saying. What he's saying is that the kingdom of God is not a religion. And the Jewish people were living under this relig re religious activities it was all about religion it had nothing to do with relationship so he's saying first of all to understand the kingdom of God you got to get your religious thinking out of the way that's what that that synagogue leader was doing he was stuck in his old tradition just tell a person beside you say religious tradition Look at them. Religious tradition, come out in the name of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we need to break that. So he says in verse 19, so this is the kingdom. It is like a mustard seed which a man took and threw into his own garden, and it grew, and it became a tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. So the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. 
Now think about what a mustard seed would look like. It's small and insignificant. At that time, it was the smallest known seed known to mankind. Then they invented microscopes, and we now discover there are even smaller seeds. But at that time, that was the smallest seed known to man. It was a mustard seed. You see what he's using, using this principle, this recollection of this is what it looks like. So he was getting into the minds of the people. Now, this is how the kingdom works. A mustard seed, as this small, which means it was insignificant, but yet it had the ability to grow a tree. In other words, inside this tiny seed contained the DNA of a tree. The vision, the purpose, the potential for a tree was in the seed. So what is he trying to explain to us? Well, you think about it. Now, at that time... It was the most minute, and it was also the most, one of the most common seeds in the Middle East. See, when Jesus talks in these, uh, you can call this a parable if you want to. I think that would be reasonable to believe that. He's trying to get something, a point across to each one of us. As little as a mustard seed. Now, later on, Luke comes back to this a couple chapters later. In chapter 17, he says, in verse 6, it says, Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, you, you, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. Now look, look what, it, what is Jesus teaching here? He's saying this is how the kingdom works. If you have, if your faith even if it's small, if it's as, as small as a mustard seed, you can say, and he just picked out a tree, a mulberry tree was a common tree of that day. He said, just tell it to be uprooted and thrown away, and it would obey you. Whose power is going to uproot the tree? God's power, but it is our faith spoken, it says here, that, that, that you should, you could say, didn't say pray to the tree. It said say to the tree. In other words, God's telling us, telling us, I want you to say it, and then I'll do it. But if you don't say it, I can't do it. That's why the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> but you know what? What's so encouraging about this, it says, if you have faith as the smallest thing at that time, the smallest thing known to mankind, if you've got that much. See, some, some of us uh, disqualify ourselves by saying, well, you know, I just don't have faith for that. Oh, we won't tell people we don't have faith for it. But in the back of our minds, our mind is telling us, you don't have faith for that. I, uh, I hope this is getting across. So what is he saying? He's saying that these, these, the, these small packages come with a big impact. These small things come with a big impact. 
Because how many times the devil says, you're just wasting your breath. Or that'll never happen. Why, I, why are you even trying to do something? He's trying to de-neuter us from God's word and from faith and, and, and wants us just to sit back and say, well, it's impossible. But my, what, what Jesus is saying, he's saying the kingdom of God always, always, always starts with small things. The kingdom of God is not boom, and it's there. Jesus is saying the image of the kingdom is everything. Start small. Everything starts small. So if you are wanting to initiate some kind of outreach or ministry or whatever it might be, you have big plans. Big ideas. And I've seen so many Christians miss the will of God in this because they'll have these great big plans, but they don't understand that in the kingdom principles of the kingdom of God, it must, it must, it must, it absolutely must start small. Why? That makes it reachable for us. I thought about this. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures in the, in, in the book of Isaiah comes from Isaiah 52, 53, 2. And, and listen, this is about Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. What was he doing? He was showing us how the kingdom of God starts with small things. He became the king of all the kings and the Lord of all the lords. But yet when he started, he was like a root, what was out of parched ground. It was nothing. There was nothing big and awesome about Jesus. He was hidden in the shadows of life. You ever felt that way? Then you are potential for a breakthrough and a miracle. So that's the first one he's talking about, the mustard seed. Are you with me? Let's move on. The next verse, it says, And to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. What a simple statement. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like leaven. Now, what does leaven do? Well, it makes bread rise. When it's leavened, it brings about taste. It adds Volume to it and pliability. <laughs> My wife and I went to, to uh, O'Charlie's this week. Now, now, we went for salads. But, you know, you, you really don't go to O'Charlie's for food. You go there for the bread, right? Am I telling the truth? If, and so they brought out the little bucket, the little uh, basket of bread. 
And that little piece, those little pieces of bread, I'm serious, were, honey, were they about that big. About that big. And what had happened, they, their machine that makes the dough rise was broken. What do they call that? The proofer. I, that was a new term for me. I learned something. And so, I, you know, and I, man, I chomped down on that bread. I, I slathered it with some butter. I'll be honest, I did, I did. I slathered it with butter, butter, and I chewed on that, and I chewed on that. <laughs> it was doughy. It was tough, chewy. It was hard, tasteless. I, and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I paid 10 Can you imagine paying $10 for a salad? I, you know, but you do it, you go because of the bread, right? I think you're getting my point. This is what yeast does. That's what yeast and leaven are the same thing. I used to love my, watching my grandmother. She made the very, you think uh, their bread is good? My grandmother made yeast rolls like nobody's business. And she'd get in there and she would take that little packet of yeast and she'd put it in that flour and a dough and put it in a warm oven. And she'd put a towel over the top of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I was a little kid. I'd watch that thing right there. Whoa. See, we didn't have a lot of entertainment back then. So watching bread rise was a big deal. So we'd watch that bread rise. Oh, it smelled so good. And then she'd take it out and she'd roll it and pat it in little things. And it'd rise up some more and she'd put it in the oven. Oh, man. And she'd pull that thing out, and it'd be too hot to touch. And I'm trying to put butter on it. But, man, it would melt in your mouth. Uh, oh, Charlie's was not. <laughs> Disappointing. $10 for dried up, yeastless, leavenless bread. So what is leaven? Leaven is old bread, old dough that has fermented. So it has a, an, an agent in it. Now, that's first. That's the we got about. We're talking about the leaven. But now most people miss this. And if I hadn't looked at it long enough, I probably would have missed it. It says, and then she hid it in three pecks of flour. Well, you know, what's a peck? That's kind of like a poke. In the South, you know what a bag is? It's a poke. Did you not know that? Yes. How many of you remember pokes? A paper bag is called a poke. Come on, somebody help me out. Eight, three pecks is eight and a half gallons of flour. Sixty pounds of flour. And all these little living organisms are inside there doing its thing, making that stuff grow until it affected the entire batch of the dough. That three pecks of dough could feed over a hundred people. Why does G, why did he pick out three pecks? You'll find out in a minute. He's making. He see. He's bring, See, they understood this when they said three pecks. And the, and the ladies and ladies are talking to each other. And say, we're gonna have to get a bigger oven. And how are you gonna bake enough bread for a hundred people? But there's importance to it. See, when Sarah, way back in the Old Testament, when, when Melchizedek came to Abram with the angels, Sarah prepared three pecks of bread, enough to feed a hundred or more. And apparently the angels ate it too. It's also the amount they used in the showbread in the temple. 
When they baked the showbread in the temple, they used three pecks of flour, enough bread for a hundred people. That's why David, when, when he went in and broke the religious traditions and his fellows were hungry and he ate the bread in the temple, his whole army could, was fed because they made so much bread. So you see, the, you see what Jesus is doing all this. He says, I want you to get this concept of how the kingdom of heaven works, kingdom of God works. So, it always starts with small beginnings. God always starts with nothing. Say it with me, nothing. Nothing but our faith. All the principles of the kingdom of God Start with nothing. Everyone say nothing. The little things. Now it's, it grows from there. That's why God said in Zechariah, He says, do not despise the small beginnings. Why? Because you're working in kingdom principles. So, what, what, so think about this. What is Jesus saying about this principle of the kingdom? He's saying that a little bit goes a long, long way. Just like the mulberry tree. You can uproot it with the faith of the size of a mustard seed. See, this is the whole, this is all through the Old and the New Testament. Think about David. David picked up five smooth stones to kill Goliath. But how many did it take? Goes a long way. What about the loaves and the fish? Two different episodes. Five loaves, two, five loaves, two fish, right? I think it was. And fed approximately 15,000 people. Why did he do it? He was saying, this is how the kingdom of God works. If you've got just a little of you, you might say, you might have had the excuse, well, I can't do this and I can't do that or da-da-da-da because I'm so little, I don't have the experience, I don't have the training, I don't have the gifts, I don't have the skills. Fine, you are a candidate for the kingdom of God to use you. If he, can, he was exampling before us how the kingdom of God works by five loaves of bread and two fish. What about the woman's, the widow's might? She was made famous in the Bible by her two little pitiful pennies. What about the woman of the Old Testament, 1 Kings, where the prophet said, go bake me a cake. And of course she said, you know, I only have a handful of, of flour and just a drop or two of oil. And I'm gathering up sticks so that we can prepare it. And then we, me and my son and I are going to die. They're going to eat it and die. And the prophet says, no, make me one too. First, what was, what was God doing? He was exampling the kingdom of God. And we know the story. She, had, she and her son had enough food to last the entire famine. That's how the kingdom of God works. It's so exciting. It's, all, it's written, it, the whole book is about the kingdom of God and how it operates. 
So he provided in their place of famine. I'm here to encourage you. Maybe you are having a famine in your life right now. May I suggest that you do something with what you've got and watch the kingdom of God work on your behalf? Just give him something that he can work with. Get, get, allow him to get into this earth and quit, putting, quit depending on divine providence, which is unbiblical, unscriptural. God says, no, this is your place, baby. You take care of it. Let me in, and I'll do the rest. But I want you to notice a couple other things. It says in this verse, I'm going to have to close. Man, oh, man. I was just getting on a roll. Notice this. In verse 19, it says, A man took and threw it into his own garden. Notice in verse 18, and it says, And a woman took and hid it in the three pecks of flour. Bread cannot leaven itself. A mustard seed can't plant itself. In other words, what Jesus is saying in the kingdom of God, participation is required. And this is where the religious people, the Protestants of the world, have, have eradicated any possibility of being effective in the kingdom of God because they've just put it in God's divine providence. God is God. Only he knows what he can do. Really? Have you read your Bible recently? And so they just, they just said, well, you know, if God wants you to have cancer, you'll just have cancer. Or it's just an act of nature and you can't stop it. Yes, you can. I've seen it happen. You have, many of you have, have watched God's hand move on our behalf when we released his word on the earth about all kinds of situations. See, that's what he's looking for. He's looking for an ambassador that will speak on his behalf. Wow. So kingdom operations require Require human involvement. If you're living your life saying, well, you know, this is just the way it's going to be. This is just the way, you know, if you're going to live on the earth, you just have to expect these things. You know, uh, God, if he should choose, oh, how many times you heard this? Well, you know, if God chooses to heal them, if he chooses One of his names is the God who heals. How can he choose whether he wants to heal anybody? So if there's not something going on that's in the positive, it's not because he doesn't want it, it's because his people haven't released his ability into the earth. That's why Jesus said, and for those who believe, they'll lay hands on, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. If you got itty bitty little 
faith. Come on, baby. You got that much, right? Come on. Be, you got that much faith. That much faith. So the kingdom of God, in this perspective, always starts on the outside. When I say outside, that means with our words and our prayers. That's how it starts. But then the kingdom of God works. It says here, notice this. He threw it into the ground, into his own garden. That means when the seed got to the ground, it became hidden. What did the woman do with the with the leaven? She hid it. Isn't it interesting he used this word? Hid it in the three pets. Now think about hiding it. So she took, now think about it. She got all this flour and water and 60 pounds of this stuff. And she takes a little snippet of leaven sticks. Can you, can you picture sticks that thing in there, kneading that down in the middle of that baby? See, this is how the kingdom works. Now, it's a mystery to us. It, that little bit of leaven can leaven the whole thing. My friends, you are not too small. You are great in God's eyes. You are big in his eyes. You are his, you are his coordinator, director. You are his, you are his uh, 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 ambassador. You are his director here on the earth. He says if you'll just put it in there, and stuff it in there, and hide that little bit of leaven in there, he said watch me turn it into something big. By the way, I just realized this. I believe it was a man named Jesus who was declared the bread of life. Wow. So leaven alters dough in secret. So the kingdom transforms from the inside out. And this is where I want to close. Because many of you are, have prayers, petitions before the Lord, and you're not seeing anything happen. And because you can't see it, you think that God's not working. But no, every time you pray, every time you prophesy over that child or that husband or that wife or that situation or that finances, every time you do that, you're kneading that leaven in there deeper and deeper into that loaf, into that flour. And God is wanting you to know today that he does his best work in secret. We'll talk about that in next, in maybe in the next session about how the kingdom of God works in the secret. So I'm here to encourage you. Even though you can't see it changing, God is working. Why? Because you're his ambassador here. And you, you keep prophesying. Keep praying. You know, my, I, I'm not going to share the whole thing. A few weeks ago, my wife and I shared a little testimony, not a little, it was a big testimony to us, uh, about family, some family members and, you know, and how my cell phone called my home phone. And while I was praying a very specific prayer, and my home phone recorded the entire prayer only on the phone. And the Lord reminded me, he said, in... Uh, I think it's in, uh, oh man, I forgot what chapter it was. And he reminded me in the scripture, he said, if we know, if we know that he has heard our prayer, 
we know that we have the request that we have asked from him. And so even though you may not see it working, the kingdom is working in those secret places of your prayer time. It's working. He's, you gotta, you got, he's working, he's working, he's working, he's working, he's working. You're going to see the answers, the manifestations to those petitions, those requests, to that family member, to that financial situation, to that new home you're believing God for, whatever it might be. God is in there. That's how the kingdom of God works. Whatever the leaven touches, it makes an impact on it. Now think about this. I'm closing with this one. In Luke 17, we talked about it earlier. The Pharisees asked him, he said, when, is the king, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus said, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, it's over here, for the kingdom of God is already among you. That's good news, my friends. He's working on your behalf right now. I, that, that's a promise for time from him right now. So all you, all you and I need to do, we just need to give it time. Give God time to finish the work. So never disdain the days of small beginnings. Keep praying. God's chosen you to move heaven and earth with our mustard seed faith. Some people say, well, you know, I'd really like to have the faith of so-and-so. Ah, baby, you got all the faith you need right now. Just, it's there. I'm here to encourage you, my friends. It's, it's going to happen. Why? Because that's how the kingdom of God works. Amen? I hope you enjoyed and learned a little something today. I know this wasn't a shouting message, but it needs, it needs to, we have to drill this because we've been so conditioned to nullifying faith and nullifying the principle of God's word and, and putting him as this divine person who, you know, does everything and, he's, and we're just little peons and we have nothing to do with what goes on in the earth. And the truth of the matter is everything that goes on in this earth happens because we allow it or we declare it or we proclaim it. Let's stand, please. Father, I send your people out of this house. With your Thank you for listening to the Resurrection Church podcast. We hope you are encouraged and ready to win souls for Christ. For more information or to plan your visit, go to rc-hickory.org.